Welcome to the Above Board Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about whether Joe Rogan is a sellout. Yes, Joe Rogan is indeed a sellout. Cue the outro. For those listeners who are still here, um, we're going to do a full episode about this, not just a 10-second episode about this. Oh, we are? I guess so. I guess you, you don't have more to say, so I can just talk about Joe Rogan for 30 minutes and <laughs> we'll call it a day. Let's do it. And let's start off with Joe Rogan. He's, uh, he recently sold his podcast to, or the rights to his podcast to Spotify. And a lot of people are very mad about that, perhaps understandably. And I've just been thinking about how it may not be the worst thing in the world. So Uh what do you think about this? Let's start off with what you've heard or what you think about this. All right. So uh, on the on the point of sellout, I don't really care. I think selling out, calling somebody a sellout is just a is righteous indignation. I think anybody that does anything for money is doing a job, not necessarily a sellout. Okay. Right. So I think if his podcast changed to just be about things that people were paying him to talk about, then yeah, he might be a bit of a shill. <laughs> Right. Like yeah, he, yeah. he just does a whole episode on like, I don't know, whatever his listeners care about, like Rogaine or steroids or something. And one of those. Rogaine. Companies... That's Helos, isn't it? <laughs> Is that not Helos? Yeah. I'm assuming. I don't know. I, I'm not even a fan of his podcast. So I don't actually know who his listeners are. Um, so for me, what I'm what I care about with Joe Rogan um is a few things. So the first is I'm a big fan of owning the playground that you play in. So hosting your own website or not putting everything that you do solely on one social media platform. And by doing this, he's basically put all of his eggs in the Spotify basket. So he's basically saying this big tech company is solely responsible for his platform for his playground for how he connects with his audience which i think is huge and hugely problematic and the other thing is that he signed a deal and as far as i know it's for a specific money amount 100 mil so if his audience and yeah if it which which is no small beans like uh, honestly <laughs> that's a lot of money Pennies. That, that that's more than i pay you to be on this podcast by a little bit a <laughs> little bit yeah a little bit so if his audience increases then he possibly doesn't get any more revenue i mean there might be some behind the scenes like bonuses but he has no further incentive now to grow his audience or to reach more people because he's like this is my salary i'm going to do what i need to do to get paid this money i also think his audience is going to decrease because he's gated it so spotify premium users get his show without ads and then spotify um free users get it with ads and then there's probably a delay like i know with when spotify bought gimlet media which is most of the podcasts i listen to are on gimlet they are released first on spotify and then days later somewhere else so i think his audience could decrease because this content that was just free and open has now been gated in some way I think he could make more if he sold ads directly. Granted, that requires more work. And I've been 
in I, I've dealt with sponsors for shows and I know that's not just a tiny bit of work that is quite a bit of work and at his scale I can't even I can't even fathom bad pun I'm just gonna always use fathom no, as a pun no. from now on so I think that um, is problematic and I think just the I think a lot of what makes Joe Rogan show interesting is the audience interaction and there aren't any comments on Spotify. I mean, for good or bad, most of the comments are trolls or awful, but some of them are pretty funny, right? So it loses that interact that feel of interactivity um, when it's just on a closed platform where there is no audience engagement whatsoever. And I mean, he probably never, he's Joe Rogan, he probably doesn't ever look at the comments, but a lot of other people do. And he could he could have more listens or more views on YouTube um, simply because of the comments. Like, I'll, I won't listen to most shows, but I'll look at the comments on some of them. It is pretty, pretty entertaining. Yeah, I, I think that's my, those are, those, those are the brush strokes on why I think this is a bad idea. I, oh, I guess the main point is that the reason I like podcasts is because uh, they work through a free and open protocol, um, which is RSS. And I think it's funny that one of the biggest things on the internet podcasting runs on one of the oldest, jankiest things, one of the oldest, jankiest pieces of technology, which is RSS. But I like it because it's free. Like anybody can create an RSS feed with audio in it and, and, and have a show. And I think that that's awesome. And I guess, okay. sorry, one more thing. <laughs> I keep thinking of more. Another thing. I'm taking thing. notes, man. I'm taking notes. Good, because now you're just going to shit all over all the things I said with your good notes. <laughs> <laughs> the final thing relates to privacy, and this is kind of a privacy-focused podcast, semi. I think that podcast analytics are interesting because they kind of follow Fathom's idea of um, data stats and aggregate can be pretty useful. And I don't see what iTunes sees as far as how granular their data goes on listeners. But as a podcaster and as a creator, if I look in podcast connect or whatever it's called on iTunes, I don't see individual data about people. If we look in transistor, the, the platform we use to host this show, which we love that, um, that that's great. We don't see specific user data. And I think with Spotify, because in order to use Spotify, you need to have a user account. Spotify can now sell ads um, at a really like Google-esque granular level where they can say, well, uh, the, the demographics of this show are women between, and it would not, I don't think, I don't think the biggest demographic that listens to Joe Rogan are, are female, but whatever. If they're women between like 65 and 73, then Spotify has all this information because they control that platform. It's not just some RSS feed being put out there into the world where people are listening to it on who knows how many platforms. So I think there's a privacy aspect of it here too, where the way that podcasting works now makes it pretty good as far as not making it easy to expose personal and specific listener data to be then used and targeted. Um, whereas because Spotify has the platform, they can get super granular and then sell and target individual users. They could run, they could conceivably run different ads for different users based on their interests, their tastes, what other music they listen to, all sorts of things, which I, which 
feels a little scary in terms of privacy. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> you crack me up, right? So yesterday <laughs> I said about this Joe Rogan thing and you're like, yeah, cool. It sounds good. And apparently you have a huge opinion on the topic in multiple directions. But it's so not about Joe specifically and his show specifically. It's about podcasting and the technology that I have opinions okay. about. I don't care about Fine. Joe Rogan. I care about podcasting. I'm going to go through some of your points that stood out. Sure. Um, so firstly, I don't like the adverts. I completely agree. That's, that's definitely questionable, unethical, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's, it's targeted advertising. That's a no-no in my books, and it's a no-no in your books. Um, that, that's an obvious one. That's an obvious red flag. With regards to Spotify being this closed place, like, do you think that there should be no distribution for things like movies and TV shows? You know, for example, a network has it, and then they sell it. Do you think it should be, you should be able to download everything for free and never pay for it? No, obviously, I don't think you should download everything for free, but I think that... When And so I think there's a difference here, which is, which is a good point to bring up. If a network makes a show that they own and then distributes it on their platform first and well, other they don't. platforms... They buy the rights, don't they? Yeah, like they own the IP on it. Like they created yeah. it. The people they employ no, created it. No, 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 no. Yeah. Or a company will actually make a show and sell it to the network and the network will then distribute it. Exactly, which is, I guess, kind of what Joe is doing now. But it's like... It used to just be, and he doesn't have to do this. He could probably make more money if he sold ads directly. And I don't think Joe Rogan is broke. <laughs> right? Like, I don't okay. think this is a, I don't know if this is solely a money grab. I mean, it could be. Like, it's, it's not an inconsequential amount of money. Why, why is this different, though, to, to um, studios or, or HBO, that kind of thing? Why is it different to them selling TV shows through subscriptions? Because TV started as a close system. Podcast, and so you understand that television and networks, the way that TV works has fundamentally been the same. Even with streaming, it's still different technology, but it still works the same way. Whereas podcasts started as completely open and, and using RSS. And it feels like we're moving, or it feels like Spotify is trying to move us away from that. Which feels like, hey, it was working great the way that it was. It was a, a free and open web thing. And now it's being taken over by a big tech giant. Which is like, I understand TV always worked like that. It was always networks who were in control of stuff. So I go into watching TV knowing that's the case. Whereas with podcasting, it's like, it didn't work like this. And it worked fine the way that it was. So why change things, big tech company? So you don't like that part. So you have two views in that Joe is well within his right to obviously do it, but you don't like the fact that he's doing it. Like you're not one of those people who's, who thinks that he's... It's a concerning trend. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I understand, yeah. I understand what you're getting at there where it's the, such a huge pivot. I'm not sure. I mean, because we do start things off. We do things for free a lot of the time. A lot of people do. And then it's a case of how do we monetize this? Um, I mean, in this case, it does end up with people being sold adverts which we're not happy about obviously but people need to monetize things i suppose he could have monetized he was it already though is your hope and he was already yes. monetizing it not not for obviously as much money as this but he was money <laughs> he definitely made a few million um that's for sure yeah okay fine so you don't like the fact that it's moving away from an rss feed to a single platform now one of the things i'm thinking when you say single platform yes it has the rss feed and yes we can listen on overcast and pocket casts how 
how many of his listeners do you think even know about Overcast? So Joe Rogan specifically, I mean, you spoke about the trend and that's another part of this conversation. But Joe Rogan specifically, when he was thinking about this, I guarantee the, the top platforms that are downloading his podcast are going to be, it's going to be Apple and it's going to be Google. So I have the, and YouTube as well. So I have this weird part of me that just went, hold on a minute. Apple, I mean, Apple's not the, but Apple and YouTube, obviously Apple and Google, you're now taking people away from that platform and onto Spotify. I don't know about you, but I think of Spotify as being better than YouTube, Google, and probably Apple. What do you think? Maybe. I mean, I don't, I don't know. And I think, and this is what we talked about on the last episode. I don't hate Google as a company. I hate some of the things that they do. So if you want to listen to a podcast on, what the fuck is their Google podcast? I don't even know what it's called. It's not very popular. <laughs> but if you want to listen to things there, then whatever. It's still using an open RSS feed. And you, the, the listener, have a choice of where you listen to it. Now there's like a two-tier system where if you want to listen to it without ads, you need to have Spotify Pro. If you want to listen to it before everybody else, you need to use Spotify. And then all the other platforms get it. It's interesting because I'm just looking, I'm logged into our stats now for above board. And Overcast is the most popular, which I'm, I'm with, actually... With tech. Pardon? Yeah. With tech. Yeah. I mean, that's, going, that's always going to be different. And people want to listen Overcast to us is. at a much faster speed, even though we talk really fast. <laughs> yeah, so for us, it goes Overcast um apple podcast pocket cast desktop browser then spotify and spotify just for the last couple of days spotify is 77 downloads and overcast is 633 okay in the same time period so spotify is way down there his audience we can both admit is very very different than our audience and quite a bit larger yeah, and I reckon that they, I mean, for example, I will listen to certain episodes, like Kevin Hart, for example, he's a funny guy, I will listen to Kevin Hart. Um, and I wouldn't do it through uh, Spotify, I actually would have gone onto YouTube to watch it. Yeah, and I think it's good that, yeah, I don't know, I like the video aspect of it, and I'll miss the comments. Um, I'm not, not a big fan that watches every episode. But so you don't like the port the lack of portability with this. Yes. I'm just I'm just not convinced that lack of portability is always the worst thing in the world. Even if even with the argument of oh podcasts started off like this, this isn't right that they're now going to monetize in different ways. The only part that I don't like is the advertising part. And I think DHH spoke about this and you've just spoken about it. I'm sure Justin Jackson's mentioned this too about the advertising and I don't like that. I mean, clearly that's what's going to happen. So Joe's moved to Spotify. Now let Spotify profile people and target them with advertising. That's a big loss. And clearly that makes it not worth it to me. It's $100 million, <laughs> but it's not, it's not my call. Obviously, I didn't do the work, but that makes it bad for me. At the same time, though, don't YouTube serve up adverts at the moment? To, oh, they we're totally not talking do. about YouTube. We're talking about the open portability of he, the podcast. There are advertisements on Joe Rogan's show, regardless of platform. That, that, to me, isn't the issue. It's the further granularity and targeting that could be accomplished through Spotify. And also... I guess the the lack of control. Like if I'm a creator and I work directly with advertisers, I pick who the advertisers are. I've turned down a bunch of advertisers for other podcasts that I've done because they weren't a good fit or I ethically felt gross about it. Okay. Whereas now Spotify is just putting ads on a show. 
they're the gatekeeper of what is a good idea for an advertiser and not a good idea for an advertiser. So there's just this, when you, when you put all of your eggs in this one basket on a playground, you lose some control. And it's just like, I wouldn't do all of my advertising on Facebook because I can't own that audience. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This is interesting. So without the adverts, this isn't the worst thing in the world. But then this, this whole deal wouldn't exist without the adverts. I'm just thinking through my own thoughts here. Um, if we didn't have the adverts, I'd be fine with it. But we do, and we wouldn't have the $100 million deal unless Spotify thought, uh, you know, they obviously think we can make this money back. Oh, yeah, the reason they did the deal is because they think they can make more money. That's just how bad, that's not them being evil. That's just how business yeah. works. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't necessarily think there was a world in which I would have done this um even for the hundred million i mean it would have been what probably double what he makes already or maybe triple i'm not sure it's hard it's hard to say like it's yeah i don't i i don't i don't know i just feel like when you give up control of how you connect with your own audience regardless of advertising like the advertising piece isn't even the biggest thing that makes it problematic for me it's the now lack of control that you have based on how you connect with your audience, right? Like, it just feels like it's, eh, there's now a gatekeeper to how he talks to his audience, which makes it problematic. This isn't black and white, the more I think about it. I'm just, yeah, because I can see good and bad. I can see, you know, why the hell does it matter if it's not portable, it's his show. But I can also see there being a, a, a trend, a concern for the new trend. But at the same time, if, is it good for the podcast industry if people are finding ways to monetize it? Do we then get more money into podcasts? Do we get better podcasts? Or does it just, I mean, it doesn't exclude people, does it? No, it just feels like if there were, if people are making a good enough living off of podcasts that they can control 100%, it's just like if a VC came and said, hey, Fathom, um, here's a couple million dollars. Uh, this will make you reach more people, but we have some control. Like, what are we going to say? Spotify's market cap jumped by $3 billion in the first 24 hours. What, the Joe Rogan thing? Yeah. After after announcing Joe Rogan, um, Spotify's market cap jumped by $3 billion in 24 hours. That is a good return on investment. I like to think that there are some people that are hearing things wrong and they'll accidentally buy Shopify or something because they've heard it all wrong. And then Shopify shoots up because they just heard it wrong. Yeah. Funny <laughs> Joe okay. Rogan bought Shopify today on podcasts. <laughs> yeah. No, that's definitely a tricky one. I, I take I fully take the points you've made and Yeah, I haven't actually got a stance. I, I wanted to get a call with, with old uh, Justin Jackson on, but I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's going to happen in time, but we shall live. We shall live. One yeah. day, one day. Exactly. Okay. Well we'll we'll have so, Justin as a guest now that we've had Ben as our guest. Yeah. Um, and if anyone else is some sort of business consultant that we've never heard of, we'd love to have you on the show as well. Yes, oh, exactly. They don't listen the to the show, of, so they won't ever uh, hear this. Yeah, oh, that's a good point. Very good point. <laughs> now, if anyone knows anyone that works at Monster Energy Drinks or Relentless, or you work there, we are open for a sponsorship. We've discussed this intensely, and you have to. We don't want any money. We just want Monster Energy drinks. You just want Monster Energy drinks. I'm not drinking okay. that garbage. Okay, it doesn't fit Fine. in my okay. macros. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and if there's any vegan sausage makers that want to sponsor yes. us too, there you go. 
So Monster Energy Drink and vegan sausages. That could be a conflict of interest because I own a bunch of stock in Beyond Meat. (laughs) So (laughs) is that then a... Do we have to announce that conflict of interest? (laughs) (laughs) Why don't we do that? Like, we don't accept any money for sponsorships, but if you send us free stuff, we (laughs) will talk about you in our podcast. Exactly. That'd be such a cool model. I want plant-based sausages and you want (laughs) sugar water. No, mine's sugar-free. Mine's sugar-free. It's all the other stuff. (laughs) <laughs> mm, all that tasty oh, aspartame <laughs> oh my days so yeah so joe rogan's it's not black and white obviously everyone's got different opinions even me and paul differ slightly um we can all agree that the advertising is obviously disgusting i don't think targeted ads black- i think advertising, advertising is advertising. fine yeah yeah okay, on this topic of advertising because we have covered it before how could they do advertising still make a bunch of money uh, but do it in an ethical way or do it in a fair way there must be a way so I, I was thinking about this, and I've seen some podcasts do this, is have us promote a survey in your show where people fill in some information, maybe not even demographic information, just like interest information, collect all that data, anonymize it, use that aggregate data of, okay, 60% of this audience likes Apple Watches. So we'll go for people who sell similar things to Apple Watches, because if Apple Watch is a market leader, then other people want to advertise to people who are thinking about Apple Watches. So do a survey and then anonymize the data, serve it in aggregate, kind of like Fathom, um, and do it that way. That's probably, that's the only idea I have in that regard. What do you think? Okay, one other idea I've just thought of. Um, I think you should be able to opt in because some people do not care about targeted advertising yes. and they don't and, and whatever that's their prerogative. I think there should be an option where you get a discount on your membership, but you opt in to being able to be targeted and I'm talking opt in. So this isn't, oh, you can opt out of being tracked. Um, <laughs> I'm saying you should be able to say, yes, I am willing to be paid to be served targeted advertising. Um, I don't know if there's any other area I'm, I'm missing here because, like I say, this thought just popped into my head. But I feel like that's a win-win if you're choosing to buy into it. And that's the rub, right? Is that targeted advertising is evil because we don't have a choice. Absolutely. If we had a choice, what happened with our data? It's it's not that's not the worst thing in the world. If people wanted to make a bit of money, saying like, "Oh, these people can target me with ads," um, and I get paid like eight dollars a day or whatever it is that's not the worst thing in the world that people want to make money off of their data it's their data it's their data their choice you wouldn't let someone pay you eight dollars a day to give you adverts i know that for a fact fuck no unless it was just like (laughs) unless it was just like a a false flag operation like i'm an 18 year old like my data is that i'm an 18 year old uh woman who likes whatever whatever i like that's a hundred percent not my not what i'm actually interested in and then it's a false flag and it's it's confusing data on the internet about my interests which makes me even more private (laughs) 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 then i would like it yep yeah it's not a bad idea intentionally confusing facebook and google by looking at things like handbags and, and whatever else and yeah, like women's fashion, that kind of thing. Exactly. I mean, I do look good in pumps. I'm, I'm not going to lie, but uh-huh. I don't yeah, shop yeah. for them very often. <laughs> so a final thing on this episode, we've been talking about this and it's you cannot buy authenticity. 
Now, you've covered this in your book. I think you said you had a chapter that goes into this in Company of One. Yes. This is one of the huge, outside of all the other reasons that we've spoken about, about why VC can be bad, you can't buy authenticity. So you might have a company, and this comes from me th- my tweet thread the other day that I did about, and I'll go into that now. I had a few startups, but about seven years ago, I quit my job to do a startup and it was called Raw Gains. And I remember being deterred by a company called Photocracy. They had millions of dollars of investment. And um, there was this other company that copied me a few years later. I mean, they were actually local to me, which is funny. So I know it was a copy. Um, anyway, they now have like, like $600,000 in debt or something absolutely crazy. And I realized that they are, they're outsourcing their development. So they haven't got a solid business model as such. They're having to spend all this money and they're not making that much money. And I thought to myself, ha, it's, you know, hindsight is funny because I would have built it myself, blah, 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 blah. And the second one was I had, and this was a long time ago before the privacy stuff, I had an Instagram tool which utilized their API. It did growth and audience, that kind of thing. And I was put off because of a company called Some All. And Some All, they had millions and millions in investment. And I thought, oh God, I can't possibly compete with them. So why does this tie into what I was talking about? Well, if you had a privacy-focused analytics company, okay, you know the values of the founders, you know the values of the company. If they were to then just get pumped with venture capital from some random company that invests in all these other things, it just dilutes the authenticity. It's not authentic. You're going to be looking at that company and every single thing they do, you're thinking, oh, did your venture capitalist tell you to do that? Or are you thinking about the investors? You lose authenticity because your focus is then not the customers. Your focus is then how do we get a return for our investors? They're just some random, random people that just want to make money off of you. You know, it's not just about money. So I think you lose your authenticity when you take venture capital. Yeah. And I think that you can get the money and the profitability um, in an authentic way. And it's, I'll just read from our about page, which we just updated and I'm really proud of. So great. we say when we, when we say that our customers come first, it's not just a flowery mission statement. It's how we've operated from day one. Because we don't have investors who are looking for huge returns, there are no stakeholders other than Jack and I. We're profitable, we pay ourselves a full-time salary, and we focus on making Fathom amazing for the people who use it. So the only people that matter to us are our paying customers. So it's in our best interest to make a good product, to make sure that they're happy, to make sure that they don't churn out or go somewhere else. Like It's in mm-hmm. our best interest to do our best job possible because the only people that matter to us because we're bootstrapped and independent is customers, right? And if you add in things like investors or other stakeholders, then our focus would then be split to, okay, we have to make our customers happy and we have to make our investors happy. And, and then we can only were, focus on our customers 50%. Okay. And then imagine that we took, imagine that we would never do this, but imagine a company took a couple million dollars of investment. So $2 million of investment. What kind of return is that investor looking for? Uh, I don't know, probably four or five at least. Depend, okay. Depends on the type of investment. 20%, 30% possibly. So we, don't, we don't need, I mean, if we're talking that we don't need to grow that much. I mean, I said to you yesterday, we're organically growing. (laughs) And I joke, 
I joked to you and I said, huh, we're actually kind of a lifestyle business because we want to run this for our customers and ourselves. We don't want to run this to become some big unicorn that grows like crazy. And we have, I mean, we kind of do have an upper ceiling. And even as we are now, we're comfortable. You know, we, we grow, that's great. But we're just focused on sustaining the business. And it's funny, too, that we have a, a, a rate of return for growth month over month. That is what most early stage investors would be happy for. Right. Happy. And but we don't. We're do. But we're. It's funny because we're doing that not through paid ads or targeted ads. We're doing that primarily through word of mouth at this point. Authenticity. Yeah, we keep our customers so happy they tell people they know, and it grows. And that's not growth hack to authenticity. I feel and I feel good about that. I see the the customers coming every day and coming into the, the the product every day, and it's like this is awesome. Like this, this feels good that we're doing it in a way that feels not gross. (laughs) Like I think a lot of times people are either like, oh yeah, growth at all costs or, or well, money and capitalism are evil. And it's not, I don't think it's a a Boolean there where it's like a one or a zero. I think, (laughs) uh, I think there's that nice middle ground of if you can make money in a way that isn't gross, then awesome and then that shows other businesses that hey you don't have to operate in a shitty way um to make money and kind of churn and burn all your customers you can do it in a way where they're happy that's the, and that is why we talk about this i'm pretty sure we've mentioned investment in the last three episodes we don't talk about this to look ourselves in the mirror and go good job you this is uh that we, <laughs> we do that privately privately we do that this isn't an this isn't an ego exercise of oh look how we do that this is an exercise in sharing what we do as a as a way that's working as a way that works and an alternative to what people have been defaulting to which is to just accept money blindly and venture capitalists may not like us for talking like this Uh, paul received various death threats when he published company of one (laughs) because he um you know talked down venture capital I got to be careful, actually, because most people don't pick up on the sarcasm because of yeah. my uh, dodgy accent. Because the, of your Britishness. But we talk about this because there are other ways. Venture capital isn't the only way. You can run a successful business by being authentic, by caring about your customers, care about your product. Don't just be in it to make money. As soon as you're in it just to make money, guess what? Your product sucks and everything else sucks. Yeah, we may we care we focus on our customers and make money because of that. We don't make money and then try to care about our customers when we can. <laughs> there's there's a in either way you can make money, but one way is more sustainable than the other. There's like a, a spectrum, isn't there? Because some companies yeah. do take venture capital and they do it right. I have heard of companies where they get great terms and 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 they need the money. If you need the money for whatever and you know, there are so many different reasons why you might need the money there's like a spectrum but don't just be in it and don't just ignore profit and ignore sustainability and think oh i'll just get some funding because that's not good it's like yeah we'll make profit in the future okay facebook you make profit in the future good job privacy scandals back yeah they basically back themselves into a corner of oh we don't know how to monetize well we have all this user data people are asking us to buy it wow (laughs) 
yeah, it's worth more than money, isn't it, at that point, yeah. with all that data? Yeah, and I mean, even if you are taking investment, I think it, it, it's a matter of looking for the um, at the terms and for the investors who are in it for more than just that that short term like how can i cash in and then cash out as quickly as possible with as as much money as possible there are some investors who care more about long-term growth um in that way you just have to look for them if that's what's required and i'm thinking about myself seven years ago listening to this podcast and i'm i I would be thinking oh i wish i could live my life running a SaaS business and i know that there will be people listening to this podcast who are looking to have their own software company now one way that you can actually start your company is by uh, working in different ways and making money so that you can actually fund yourself saving up money and making that your number one goal until you can start your software company Um, And then doing it side by side. Now, you might be tempted to jump straight in. You might have five months of money saved, jump straight into your software and hope that you can do it in that time. Don't do that because you'll, you'll be stressed. Save up a good chunk of money and then start reducing your main workload, move into freelancing and work on your software product on the side. You can do it. Me and Paul did that um for version version one i think we did it in two months version two was much harder and we did have i, I mean i know f- from my perspective i had to cut down on freelance work to get some of the to get the product done you know we were working in, and you cut down on your other work as well so don't just jump into it and think that you need millions of dollars to build a successful business you don't yeah i mean we both funded um software development through selling courses online courses Funnily enough, yeah. Oh, and this is interesting. People will say, and and I'll wrap up on this because apparently I am going in on one today, but when you spend time around people, certain traits of theirs rub rub off on you. I've heard that so many times and I've just thought, yeah, okay, sure, sure, psychology article. Now, it's true. I never, ever cared about or wanted to start a course, but I spent enough time around Paul that my subconscious decided, hey, let's make a course. Like It wasn't that it, there was a conscious decision. It was almost like it shifted how I was looking at the world. I'd seen that Paul had done these courses, and, and Paul, you put this publicly, but you've made millions mm-hmm. of dollars through your courses because they're great courses. Um, yeah. And, and you do courses on things that you've actually done. You don't, how, to, <laughs> how to do something I've never, you don't do that kind of thing. Yeah. So that shifted my subconscious so that I was looking at the world differently and it rubbed off on me so that the opportunity of, oh, I could do a course for this thing was now, was now in my head because of what rubbed off. So what I'm talking about here is find, find good people, find people that will rub off on you in a positive way that look at the world differently in a way that you want to look at the world. You know, people that are successful or even people that want to be successful in the way that you define success. Um, and now we have got a guest snippet from Grant Cardone that we're going to play. I am not here to satisfy you. <laughs> De- Den X. Yeah, I, started, that, I started to remind me of that kind of stuff that I'm talking about. That would be so careful. funny. <laughs> we also have one more thing to talk about, quack, quack. Oh, quack, quack, indeed. <laughs> So Quack Quack, DuckDuckGo, I just seen on LinkedIn, they bought billboards all over the world to advertise. Now, who had this idea a year ago? Yeah, I remember you wanted to buy, uh, you wanted to find, you found out how much it cost to put a billboard yep. um, on Vancouver Island. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's right. We were going to do billboards and I've seen that they do it and I, th- I saw it and I thought, you fuckers, because that is just, I think billboards are funny. Uh, yes, you they can't are. measure return on investment, but why don't you just do something funny, put up something funny on a billboard and I dare say that we will have to revisit this in the future. It's a good play though because they're not rel- they're not doing targeted advertising, which is one of the reasons exactly. that we like DuckDuckGo. They're doing advertising, but in a way that's still pretty ethical. But damn them for taking uh, the idea that they didn't know that we had. <laughs> now we look like copycats <laughs> or copy ducks. Uh, coffee ducks. Yeah, yep. me. So that about wraps up our show. This is the Fathom Analytics podcast again. Monster energy drinks, vegan sausages, you know our email address. Brought to you by Cool Refreshing Bud Light. <sighs> I don't know if that picked up on the mic. That was just me opening my LaCroix. It did, I heard it. Because it's like 8 a.m. 